0: You're listening to the English Ministry Podcast of Chinese Christian Church, Thousand Oaks. Join us every Sunday at 11 a.m. Find out more at english.cccto.org. Things that you hear all the time. I wanted to know more about what we could do with coronavirus, and I've been blessed with a friendship of Dr. Susan Wong. She was in my small group. She and her husband and family were in my small group at my last church in our Bible study. We became very good friends with them. And so um, she's just inundated with work, but she still gave me some time and to give me a chance to interview her. And so just yesterday, so that we could get the most up-to-date information, I called her, and I interviewed her, and I asked her these three questions. The first one was, what's your professional assessment of our current situation? And Dr. Juan is eminently qualified to answer these questions. She is a professor of infectious diseases at the School of Medicine at the University of California, Irvine. She is the medical director of epidemiology and infection prevention of all of UCI health. And she's worked with the CDC. So she has good words for us. So in answer to the first question, she said, indeed, this is a pandemic. And there is currently no immunity in the world. And this immunity, this lack of immunity, has led to the spread of coronavirus from China throughout the world and very near to us. It is already in the community of Los Angeles and Orange County. But the effort that we are placing as doctors, scientists, and those who are seeking to help us is an effort to slow it down here in the United States because we cannot stop it. One of the things that I've appreciated about my friendship with Susan is that she is not an alarmist. In fact, I sent her an article that someone had sent me, and she said that she read it until it got inflammatory because it was seeking to scare people, and she is not seeking to that. She is seeking to inform people so that we don't need to be as scared so we can respond correctly. And so she said, when I asked her, what's the number one thing you think we should do? She said, the number one thing is to protect the frail and the elderly. Protect the frail and the elderly. And the second thing she said is to let people know that most of us, even if we get coronavirus, it will be more of a mild cold to a bad cold for most people. But we must continue to do to protect, do what we can to protect ourselves and protect one another, especially the elderly. The second question I asked her is, well, in light of this, what do you Rebecca Ben people do? The first thing she said was a little surprising but made total sense to me. And she said, parents, you must keep your children away from their grandparents. Because we don't know that a little sniffle in a child might cause a severe cold or maybe even in the future, coronavirus, we must be careful. The second thing she said is we must stay away from the sick. If you know of somebody's sick, stay away from them. And if you are sick, don't go out. Wash your hands regularly, which we've heard of. Stay away from crowded places. The third question that I asked her is, as a Christian and doctor, what would you want to say to your brothers and sisters She'd want to say to us that, indeed, we live in a unique time and to know that this time of coronavirus is going to last for quite a while. She believes that until a vaccine is finally available, coronavirus will still be in our world. And therefore, in this coming year, don't become complacent. Continue to protect our loved ones. Continue to be sensitive to the needs of others around you Continue to wash your hands. Continue to stay home if you are sick. Continue to stay away from those who are sick. And know that most of us only have the capacity of living with panic for about three weeks, at which time we'll want to let our guards down. And she said, even as we are let back into our community and schools go back into session, remain diligent. And she said to us that there is no... Current medical treatment for coronavirus she said that for christians our form of treatment is prayer is prayer and so let us continue to do those things which are right and which are reasonable but also now let us learn of things that we can do that would stop spreading fear and instead spread faith So this message and next week's message are intended to speak to us regardless of whether or not we get coronavirus. This message and next week's are also meant to help us in other places where we may experience fear in our lives. So we're going to begin today and we're going to look at 1 Thessalonians to get the principles that God would give to us of things that are greater than coronavirus. The book of 1 Thessalonians is one of the earliest books that the Apostle Paul wrote. It's considered the second book that he wrote after the book of Galatians. And this letter that Paul wrote is to a very young church. And this young church is going through great trials. It's having a lot of questions about death. It is being persecuted. And it is suffering. And so we see. In 1 Thessalonians, that indeed, suffering is part of the church life. Suffering and fear will come to all of us. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 6, it says, You became imitators of us and of the Lord in spite of severe suffering. And in chapter 2, verse 14, You suffered from your own countrymen. The same things churches suffered from the Jews. There was multiple means of suffering in these Christians' lives. In Thessalonica. But Paul had four things he wanted to share with them. He wanted them to know that there are at least four main gifts that we have to overcome fear. We see three of them as Paul speaks to the Thessalonians in chapter 1 verse 3. Where Paul says we continually remember before our God and Father your work produced by faith. Your labor prompted by love. And your endurance inspired by hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. These are three gifts from God. Faith, love, and hope. Maybe we've heard about them before as we've read the love chapter. Where Paul says, and now these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. These are three of the gifts, the graces that God gives to us. Our main passage today is 1 Thessalonians 5, 8, and 9 through 11. And here we also see the three, faith, hope, and love, but also the fourth gift that God gives to us. So would you read with us together out loud this passage? Let's begin together. But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled, putting on faith and love As a breastplate and the hope of salvation as a helmet. For God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation through our Lord Jesus Christ. He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. The first gift that God gives to us is self-control. And we can have self-control because we belong to the God who is in control. Paul says, But since we belong to the day, let us be self-controlled. To belong to the day means to belong to God. Earlier, in First Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 5, Paul said, You are sons of light and sons of the day. That means that we belong to God. We are the children of light. Jesus says that he is the light that has come into the world. We are children of Jesus Christ. We are the children of God, and we belong to the day, and the day represents the brightness and the light of the world in Jesus. But it also reminds us of the day of the Lord. And Paul talks in First and Second Thessalonians about this, about the second coming of the Lord, which will be the day of the Lord. And we belong to him. So we have hope in this life. We have hope in our death. We have hope in eternity because we belong to the eternal God. We belong to the eternal light, Jesus Christ. We are sons of the light. We belong to the day. We belong to that day when Jesus will return. And we belong to the light of the day today. God wants us to know through this. That since we belong to the day. That since we belong to the light. That since we belong to him. That since we belong to Jesus. Then we are able to know that since he is in control. We can have self-control. And this self-control can be described in this way. Don't panic. Let's not panic. It's only natural for us right now to have fear. It's only natural for us to want to panic. But the first order of self-control is not to do that. How do I learn this self-control? How can I gain self-control? Paul says in Galatians chapter 5, 22 and 23, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. To gain self-control... Is to walk in the spirit. To gain self-control. Is to have the fruit of the spirit. Well how. How can I have that? How can I have this fruit grow? What are ways that I can see this fruit grow? How can I have this fruit grow? The self-control so I don't panic. I want to say this. Turn and return. Turn and return. Our thoughts to God. Turn and return. Your thoughts to God. Isaiah has much to say about fear. The two verses I want us to say together that help us to turn and to return to God are these. Let's read together out loud. Isaiah 41, verse 10. So, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Let's say that again. And for those who are at home, say this to those who are around you as an encouragement. Let's say it again. So, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. This is God's promise to us. Don't panic. Don't be dismayed. God will be our strength. God will uphold us. Do not fear. God is with us. The second verse from Isaiah is in chapter 26, verse 3 and 4. Let's read this together out loud again. You will keep In perfect peace, Him whose mind is steadfast because He trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever, for the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Again, for those of us who are at home, let's say this passage as an encouragement to those who are with you. Let's begin. You will keep in perfect peace. Him whose mind is steadfast because he trusts in you. Trust in the Lord forever. For the Lord, the Lord is the rock eternal. Our minds can be steadfast. Our minds and our thoughts can turn and return to God. To his peace that he gives to us. We can turn our trust to God. For he is with us forever. And he is a faithful and enduring rock of our salvation. Let us continue to trust in him. And because we belong to God now. Because we belong to him. He continues to give us even more gifts. More than self-control. He gives us other gifts. Other graces that we can use in this time. Things that are greater than coronavirus. Faith. Is greater than coronavirus. God gives us faith to guard our hearts. In the second half of verse 8 of our main passage. Paul says putting on faith and love as a breastplate. Putting on faith and love as a breastplate. God wants us to put on these things these are things that you and i now have the power to put on so that faith will be greater than fear whatever we face whatever fears we have faith can be greater than it faith must be greater than it if we are to not give in to fear in ephesians chapter 6 verse 13 paul talks about other things that we are to put on By telling us to put it on, it's telling us that there is something we must do. This is our faith. It is our faith to make the effort to do these things. God doesn't force them on us. This is our participation in God. God gives us grace and he gives us the ability to have faith. We must exercise it. The verses say, therefore, put on the full armor of God. So that when the day of evil comes... You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist. With the breastplate of righteousness in place. We are to put these things on. God wants us to wear them. A breastplate protects this area of the body, of all of our central organs here, of our heart and our lungs. God wants to protect our inner being, our soul, our heart. And the heart to the Hebrews also included that which controlled the mind. And so God wants us to put on faith, to guard our hearts, to guard that which we breathe. You know, think about it. Breathing is the means by which people contract coronavirus. But what's greater than coronavirus is faith. And as we breathe in faith, it's greater than whatever disease we might have, whatever fear we might possess. That God wants us in our hearts and in our minds to have faith. that will be greater than our fears of coronavirus, greater than our fears of anything else that we might have to face in life. But we must put it on. This is part of the armor of God. This is part of our living out of faith. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 7 and 8, Paul says, Therefore, brothers, in our, our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. What is the result of faith? It is a blessing to other people. The Thessalonians, because of their faith in difficult times, because their faith was greater than fear, they were a blessing to Paul. When we have faith, we are a blessing to others. When we have faith greater than fear, our faith will comfort others. When they see us standing and standing firm. They will know that it is possible. They will have encouragement from our stability. From our words. We'll be able to let them know that this isn't from us. It is from God. But we had to receive it. We had to put it on. We had to wear it. Faith is conviction. That what we believe. That what we hear is true and absolute. Our faith is in Christ. Our faith is not in faith. Our faith is in our rock eternal. Our faith is in God. And as we stand upon him and have that faith and put that on around our our breastplates, on our breasts, so that our hearts, our souls, our minds, our breathing is controlled by him. Our faith and our conviction will grow and grow stronger. There are also ways that we can encourage this. And the first way is by being consistent in the word of God. Continue in the word of God. Read and meditate on God's word. Romans 10, 17. Would you read this out loud with me? Let's begin. Faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. Faith comes from hearing, and faith comes from hearing the message of Christ, which is in the word of God. God wants us to continue to read his word. This is the first means we can fill our minds and fill our hearts with the truth of God's word. And the second way that we can continue to grow faith is through prayer. Prayer is the second way to growing faith. Paul says this in Ephesians chapter chapter 6. Let's read verse 18 together. And pray in the spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. Pray together. Pray with one another. Pray on the phone with one another. Pray on conference calls with one another. If you go to our church website, you can send us your prayer requests so we can pray for you. Let others know your needs so that they can pray for you. And pray for others in their needs. These are two of the greatest things that we can do. Reading God's Word, which helps to teach us how to pray. And prayer, which opens our heart to the sensitivities of the needs of others. I received an email in this past week from one of my cousin's wife who works with Varsity And she works on the campuses throughout Los Angeles with Varsity. And she sent a number of prayer requests for the students. Um, one of them was that she asked that we would pray for international students. Because they are stuck here in the United States. And they cannot go home. And this is causing them distress and sadness. She said pray for them. Number two, she said, pray for those who on the campuses that were closed have nowhere to go and don't have the possibility of even having a regular food because they were dependent upon that which they had at the campuses. But now that the campuses are all closed, some of the students don't have any place to go and are limited in the ability to have food and meals. Pray for them. She said, also pray for all the students who are experiencing loneliness, anxiety, and depression. And in her work on campuses, this already is a problem, even without coronavirus. This is an age of sadness and difficulty in our young people. And campuses are seeing all around the United States the struggles with depression and anxiety and loneliness and and that which keeps them in a spirit of being downhearted. And she said, pray for them. When you think about that, when we pray for these people in that way, it opens up our hearts. It helps us not to be thinking just so much about ourselves, but about others in need. I also received this week an email from a group that I belong to called Grafted Life Ministry. And here, Debbie Swindoll gave Uh, a number of different suggestions on what we should be praying for. And she said, number one, pray for the sick. Pray for those who have coronavirus. And pray for those in the medical field. Not just those treating those with coronavirus right now, but those who will treat and all of our medical professionals. Pray for them. Pray for our city and state officials and world leaders. Pray that God will supernaturally intervene and slow the spread of the pandemic. Pray that God will bring a cure, a vaccine, and treatment. She said, pray for people in financial need because of all the businesses that are being hurt right now, layoffs that may be coming, and schools that are shut down. Pray that God would increase your and other people's faith and peace. And spend some of your time quietly praying to God, just listening to him. Talking to him about what you're feeling. Letting him into your heart in a way that you can hear what he's saying. Spending time alone with him even in the midst of this. So what is this teaching us? It's teaching us to give ourselves a break. In the midst of all this stress, give yourself a break. Like the break in a car. Stop. Because now, for example, there's no NBA to watch on TV. There's actually no live sports to watch anymore. There's no March Madness. And some of us are sad about that. That means now we have a lot more time to do other things. Businesses are closed. You're not so to go out. You'll be staying home more. You'll have more time. Spend it with your family. Do things that are fun. Do things that are meaningful. Here's another one. Give yourself a 24-hour Sabbath from the news. Don't read for 24 hours anything else about coronavirus. It'll be there tomorrow. So just give yourself a break. Just let yourself have 24 hours of not being invaded with the news. 24-hour Sabbath from the news of coronavirus. But if you do listen to the news, if you do read articles on the Internet, then gauge the amount of time you do that. And if you want your faith to be greater than your fear, then spend more time in prayer and Bible study than you spent reading or listening to the news. So if you spent 10 minutes reading an article... Spend 20 minutes in prayer and Bible reading. Spend more time in turning to God than in turning to the news. That will indeed help us all to have greater faith in the midst of this season than fear. And when you know that you still have fear, stop and pray. Stop. Yes, there's a lot we can do to try to address our fears of coronavirus as Christians. And there are even good things that can come out of it. We don't, we don't think about that. Um, I read an article, there's a number of articles in the news about the different industries that have been hurt by coronavirus. But here's some good news. One article I said, headline Sex Industry. Decimated by coronavirus. The sex industry is going down. Brothels are having to close down because they don't have any business. The coronavirus is bringing such a scare to people, they're not having as much sex. That's some good news. There is something good out of coronavirus. Now, being more serious, God has good things for us. God has good things for us, even in the midst of coronavirus. So the first we saw, of course, was self-control. The second is faith. And the third is love. A love that is shared with those who fear. A love that is given to others who are afraid. Getting our eyes off of ourselves. This is an amazing opportunity that we have to minister to other people. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus said, greater love has no man than this. That he should lay down his life for his friends. We have the opportunity of showing this kind of love in the midst of a pandemic. We have the opportunity of being brave and courageous and being in the midst of that which might even cause us illness. Christians throughout history have been known for staying in places of plague, of pandemics, and ministering to other people. As early as the second century, it's been recorded during the Antonine Plague in Rome and in Italy that there were Christians who stayed in the midst of that And because of that, Christianity grew. Because they saw, the people saw, the courage of Christians to stay and not to flee. And the word of God was taught by these Christians. And the word of God was lived by these Christians. Because they didn't run away from the plague. In 1527, Martin Luther, the great reformer, who lived in Wittenberg, was there when the bubonic plague hit. But he chose not to flee, even though other people were telling him, Martin, you got to get out of there. Probably because you're so important to this movement. The movement of the Reformation. But Martin Luther stayed in courage and in faith. Because he thought it was important for him to minister to those who were sick. And he paid a great price. Not his own life, but the life of his daughter Elizabeth died he had the courage to stay and to live out his faith even at sacrifice in 2014 six years ago you will remember the story of the ebola outbreak in africa and that was even from what i'm told that disease even more worse than coronavirus and the fears were so great But Christians and doctors were going and staying in Africa to minister to those with Ebola. And even though he wore all the protective gear, Dr. Kent Bradley still caught Ebola. And he became a huge news article because he was brought back to the United States to be treated. And the news got around about how Christian doctors are going into Africa to the place where there is Ebola outbreak and seeking to minister, to serve, to help, to bring hope and hopefully healing to those who have this dreaded disease. By God's grace, Dr. Kent Bradley did live to tell his story and to live his faith. Now, we may not need to act so boldly as those in the second century or the 16th century or those like Dr. Bradley, or we may be asked to act boldly and to act bravely, to show love for others who are sick, to serve those who are sick, to serve our doctors, to serve our health professionals who are working hard and may have to work so many extra hours to support those who are in need. Our actions and our message is empowered by the love of Jesus Christ. And by his words. And Jesus never minced words. But he put the words that some people would say are stark. And maybe even would cause us to think carefully. They may, they may sound harsh. But they're also loving. Listen to these words from Jesus. When you hear of wars and revolutions. Do not be frightened. These things must happen first, but the end will not come right away. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes, famines, pestilence in various places and fearful events and great signs from heaven. This has been happening throughout the age, what we call the last days since Jesus was on earth. They continue to happen throughout the courses and generations of history since Jesus lived. But he's saying, do not be frightened. Even in the pestilence of coronavirus. Even in this fearful event. Jesus says, do not be afraid. In Matthew chapter 10, verse 28, Jesus says, do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body and hell are not two sparrows sold for a penny yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your father and even the very hairs of your head are all numbered so don't be afraid you are worth more than many sparrows Jesus says do not be afraid Don't be afraid because you are worth more to God than any of his other creations. People are most valuable to God. You are worth it to him and he loves you. And he gives us the courage to live a life of faith. So how? How can I reflect Jesus's love to others? How can I reflect and show this love that he gives to me? Talk to your neighbors as best you can. Talk to them about your faith in Christ. Invite your neighbors and your friends to watch and to listen to next week's sermon here at CCCTO. And the title of the sermon next week is What Would Jesus Say About Coronavirus? So, what we're saying now, we're going to do a lot more next week. What Would Jesus Say About Coronavirus? Third, donate time or money to an organization helping those who are hardest hit. Offer to go shopping for a shut-in. Give food or meal to anyone you know who needs help. Talk with your family or fellowship about other ways to help. Continue to be creative. Continue to give. Continue to show God's love. Be, Be that light that other people need. In these difficult times of darkness. And fourthly. The gift that God gives to us. Is hope. The hope of salvation. Which is greater than death and coronavirus. We see this in verses 8. The second half of verse 8. All the way through verse 11. Of First Thessalonians chapter 5. And Paul says. At the end of verse 8. And the hope of of salvation as a helmet. In other words, put on, put on love, and also put on hope as a helmet. This helmet is to protect our brains. It is to protect our minds. It is to protect our thinking. It is to protect us from the lies that are in the world. You know, one of the things I want to say is be very careful of what you believe based upon what you hear. In the last two weeks, I have been called or texted or emailed by members of our church about some articles um, that turned out to simply be rumors about Thousand Oaks they weren't true and so even though they told them to me I didn't pass that on to other people until I found out if they were true or not and once finding out they weren't true I just didn't spread it see we can spread fear by passing on false information Let us be very careful. Let's put on this helmet of salvation. Let's filter things through the word of God. Let's have the self-control. Put hope, faith, love, self-control in our minds and in our actions. This will give us hope now as we do that. This will give us hope tomorrow as we do that. But Paul's really talking about forever. About eternity. And this helmet will give us hope. For eternal life. Even if we die. Verse 9. Paul says. For God did not appoint us. To suffer wrath. But to receive salvation. See Paul's talking about eternity. He is saying that when the Christian dies. You are not going to suffer wrath. You are not going to go to hell. You are not going to be punished. You're not going to be condemned. So whether we die of old age or coronavirus, the Christian has nothing to fear because of the hope of salvation. God wants us to have this hope. Fear is what's feeding the frenzy around us. And the fear of death is the main core But when we have hope in Jesus Christ and when we remind ourselves of our hope in Jesus Christ, this calms our fear. God did not appoint us to suffer wrath, but to receive salvation. And how do we receive that salvation? At the end of verse 9 and verse 10. Through our Lord Jesus Christ He died for us so that whether we are awake or asleep, we may live together with him. This is our hope. To live together with him. To live in heaven where there is no disease. No sorrow, no suffering, no tears. To be with Jesus. This is our hope. God wants us to focus on our hope of what Jesus has done for us. And what has he done? He has died for us. He has suffered a death. Worse than coronavirus. He has suffered a death bearing our sin. He has suffered a death of torture and pain and loneliness. He died on the cross for you and for me so that whenever we die, we will live. He died so that whenever we die, we will live. Because he rose again to life. And in his resurrection, he proved that he had power over death. His resurrection is greater than coronavirus. His resurrection is greater than fear. His resurrection is the evidence and the proof that everything he said is true. And that we have hope in him. Now, tomorrow, and most of all forever. To live together with him. If you've never given your life to Jesus, do that now. This is the time. Turn your fear into faith. Say, Jesus, I give you my life. I surrender my life, my fears to you. I want to follow you. It's not just a decision like, Lord, it's a direction for the rest of my life. I want to follow you. Lord Jesus, I want to learn more about you. I want to be a Christian. I want the gifts you give. I give you my life. I surrender it to you. This is the only way for us to have the hope of eternal life. I have the hope of salvation. And then Paul says to all of us, therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as in fact you are doing. This week, a number of people, maybe 10 to 12, 15 people around church were running around like crazy, working so hard to get this live cast, live stream up. And they worked hard together because they wanted to encourage you. And in the midst of that, they encouraged me. And in the midst of that, I hope that that encourages you. That God wants us to work together to help each other through this crisis, to share with one another, to be with one another, to love One another. To know the hope that God gives. To have faith. The word that you see up there. In Romans chapter 8. 38. Convinced. is the same word. Where we get our word faith. For a faith is another way of saying this. But let's read together out loud. What Paul says as we close. For I am convinced. That neither death nor life. Neither angels nor demons. Neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord.